Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This season, we'll be covering all things wealth, from owning it to maximizing it. For further information, or if you'd like help accelerating your wealth directly, please do contact us. Head over to our website, www.rebeccarobertsonevo.co.uk. And welcome to today's show. I'm going to be joined by Phoebe Stone, who is partner and head of sustainable investing at LGT Vestra, which are a wealth management firm. So we're going to be talking about how investing can change the world, what kind of decisions you might want to consider when it comes to ethically investing and giving you a little bit of an insight into that process behind what would be a sustainable ESG um, sustainable fund. Let's get chatting to Phoebe. Welcome, Phoebe. I'm so pleased to have you here. And it's amazing to have such a senior lady doing amazing things in the industry because we well know there's not enough female fund managers, right? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's very much the case at the moment. Yes. And I'm hoping to see, I'm seeing lots more, um, you know, younger faces in the industry. So I'm hoping in the years to come, they'll be encouraged to stay in the industry and develop their careers. Because it's, it, is a, it is an amazing industry to, um, I don't know, grow, develop, learn and have a real sense of pride in what you're doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's very collegiate, um, which I think plays into uh, making generalisations, women's way of working. Um, yeah. Thinking- your teams working and, and, and working with those individuals and, and taking the best from them and working in that team environment is is what I'm I'm involved in on a daily basis as an investment professional. So Definitely. I think there be the space for more women in in our world. Brilliant. So tell me a little bit about your job and what you do. Yeah, and thanks so much for having um, me on the podcast, Rebecca. So um, I'm head of sustainable investing at LGT Vestra. So that is an investment management firm based primarily here in London, uh, but we have clients all over the UK. And actually, more recently, we've been expanding out um, overseas. So my responsibility is to run our sustainable investing team. There's around six individuals sitting in in that team today, although we're growing a lot over time since lockdown. We've gone from me and one individual to me and five. So um, that, that's amazing. Yeah, it's presented its challenges uh, hiring um, digitally, but it's worked out very, very well. So uh, very much a growing team. Um, And this has really been sparked by the launch of the sustainable portfolios that I run, uh, which were launched three years ago this week. So we're celebrating our our three years. Yeah. Um, So previous to my um, launching the sustainable portfolios, I was running a range of multi-asset, more traditionally run portfolios for clients like yourself, financial advisors like yourself, based all over the UK. Um, but I then pitched to our board in, I think it was 2017, to launch a range of sustainable portfolios. Amazing. Um, I love the foresight you had there because yeah. you were before the, 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 the trend, really. Um, I mean, there was a lot still going on in the marketplace around them, but it wasn't the popular conversation, right? Did you, yeah. did you have a little bit of deaf ears around like, what you were trying to achieve or was, was actually the board really welcoming to it? Yeah, internally, there was a lot of excitement about this idea. Um, The year before, we'd been bought by uh, an organisation called LGT. They're a massive European bank, um, and they've been focused on the world of sustainability for a very long time, really tracing it back to 2006. Mm. They've been 
cycle since 2010, which is miles away, miles ahead of the rest of the industry. So I could demonstrate within our business here in the UK that we could leverage off that experience, that expertise, that authenticity, really importantly, and bring those lessons to, and, and learnings to our clients here in the UK. So mm -hmm. certainly internally, there was a lot of excitement and uh, fortunately not too much resistance. But I would say that it's, it was much harder to have a client meeting and talk about ESG or sustainability then than it, than it was today. Definitely. And do you find that more clients are approaching you about that kind of fund now than what they were before? Absolutely. Um, it's certainly the first time in my career, and I've been working for 11 years now, where you as, as financial advisors and, and you're primarily my clients, but also the clients of organisations like yours are coming to us and saying, I'm interested in this. And I, I really think that's the first time maybe that's happened across the board. Mm. Uh, ordinarily, as, as um, providers of investment services, we're going out to pitch, we're going out to sort of educate and inform, but that's very much being turned on its head, which is really, really exciting. Definitely. So what got you interested in, in particularly, you know, going to the board and, and managing this new department, this new what's now become like a proper department now. Right. And what sort of what got you into sustainability investing in the first place? What was your driver personally? So I was always wanting to, to work in this industry ever since I did some work experience with a fund manager who at the time was at a company called Alliance Bernstein. Um, and I was 16 years old, I was very, very young, but it was a really instrumental time in my life because uh, I hadn't really decided what I wanted to do up until that point. Um, and I, I met this lady and, and really decided that I wanted to work in financial services and more specifically be a fund manager, portfolio manager. So- At that age, at 16, incredible. Amazing. Yeah, I didn't even want to go to university. I thought, I can't waste time with the university. <laughs> straight into the into the working world Brilliant. I didn't have apprenticeships or anything so I had to I had to go to university it was obviously a good thing to do in hindsight but I was really really very very um keen to get going and being a, being a fund manager portfolio manager um and since then worked in the world of multi-asset but my day-to-day -day job pre-sustainability or my 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 um my life pre-sustainability was split between my job which i'm hugely passionate about love investing love talking to clients about portfolios but then in my spare time i was doing a lot of work with charities um today i'm a board trustee of the lord mayor's appeal and that's the charity connected to the lord mayor of london i'm an ambassador for two breast cancer charities because of a personal experience i went through a few years ago and i also uh, often uh, done a lot of fundraising for various organizations organizations. So I felt that my life was quite split between my personal life, my extracurriculars, and mm. then my working life. And I saw sustainability and running sustainable portfolios as a way of amalgamating both mm. and potentially having more impact um, and understanding that actually my role going forward was to educate and inform people about the impact that one can have with their money, with their pension, with their ISA, um, and generate strong and consistent investment returns. So can you, have the, can you have it all, I guess is the question, right? Maybe that's what we should call the show. I always find inspiration when I'm talking. Can, <laughs> can, can you have it all? Can you change the world, have the returns, and it not cost more money for that privilege? That's a good that's a good place yeah. to start. Right. So where have you um, 
have you found that that's been the case I guess is the next question it's quite a leading question I apologize no no no. yeah uh, and that was one of the uh, huge amounts of work or the, the one of the parts of the project before launching the portfolios was going back and doing some really thorough analysis risk and return analysis on the investment options out there what funds were available what investment opportunities were there that had been running for uh, a considerable amount of time because you can't just launch a proposition with fully new funds look for funds that had been around for some time and demonstrate using this analysis that we put together that there did not need to be a compromise on return uh, so lower 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 levels of performance or the acknowledgement that you had to take more risk Mm. Um, that was very much part of the proposition that that I went to the board with to demonstrate Mm. There were ways of managing portfolios that were risk managed, um, focused on generating the kind of returns and uh, risk objectives that clients needed, but investing in sustainable companies and funds. So that was certainly our experience um, when 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 I launched the proposition. Since then, it's been very interesting. Sustainable portfolios have actually outperformed the wider market. Um, I think there's a few reasons for that. You're obviously avoiding the ESG risks. So the kind of disasters that companies can go through, whether they're social or environmental orientated disasters. But what's more important these days actually is tapping into those long term investment trends, those fundamental themes that we're seeing really change markets, whether it's everything from climate change, resource depletion, inequality of access to healthcare and education, uh, population and, and movements of population, things like urbanization. These are huge structural shifts that are going on. Um, mm. And the that are tapping into those themes have tended to perform very, very well. Yeah. Um, and a, a core reason as to why sustainable strategies have tended to outperform more traditionally run strategies. Definitely. Now, and I love the way you describe that, but it is a long term it, from what you're describing you're talking more about impact so from an investment strategy perspective um there's a different unit i'm talking generally i'm teaching you to suck eggs right completely yeah. i apologize um but there is different ways that you have strategies when it comes to being an, a, an ethical investor so um this is for our listeners because obviously phoebe does understand more than what i do when it comes to this kind of stuff but you have like an exclusion process where you don't want to be you don't want to have been invested in animal testing or something similar or you might allow a certain amount of exposure maybe you'll be a bit flexible around it because you might have a, a corporate group that isn't primarily animal testing but they might have an arm of it doing something in that type of realm in one part of the country so you you, you can't always guarantee that there's a complete black and white there's always a lot of gray right when it comes to ethical investing so from a strategy a client is looking at it okay what what are my boundaries what am I really looking for or accepting or not accepting and then you have impact and impact is okay you you might have a bit of exposure but it's unlikely um and then you but you might have um it's it's down to the investment manager and the strategy of the individual company as to what they deem to be impactful. And I see two different ways of doing this. I notice that you do the um, UN um, sustainable goals. I always think, is it 24? I always get that wrong. Is it 24? 17. 17. I don't know where I got 24 from. Um, I think I've got 26 in my head because I cop 26. I've got this, all these different numbers going on at the moment. Um, And, um, it's about, okay, the, all the things that you've just mentioned, particularly around poverty, housing. But the question is, is how can a housing project 
be a good investment, right? How can that actually make us money? Because they might not make that much money right now, but it could be a growth that that company over the next five to 10 years well, how's that? How do we know that's the right company that's going to get that big contract that's going to mean that that big development's going to be built? And it's having those not necessarily inside information, but having a better understanding of that broader picture. And there is so much gray with it. But what I'm seeing a lot of companies doing is that they're then focusing their portfolios. And I'm seeing this in quite a few big firms now. They're focusing their portfolios more on technology based, whether that's healthcare or, you know, Alphabet. DocuSign, that kind of stuff, because, and I, I mentioned just random shares, I'm not recommending them, um, but they're, they're tending to lean in that direction because the ESG element of them is not necessarily impactful, but they're not necessarily doing things that could be deemed to be non-ethical. So it's almost like they're not, they're not impactful, they're not planting trees um, in, in for deforestation, um, but they're also not making fossil fuels. Um, so therefore, they're not bad. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that process. And I mean, not necessarily how you personally do it, but how in, in the firm, but what your view on that might be. Um, yeah, there, there, there are different approaches to um, sustainable investing. And I use the word sustainable as a bit of a catch-all term. Um, because in the process that we run, we do exclude exposure to some sectors that are uh, really incompatible with those UN Sustainable Development Goals, uh, UN SDGs, I'll probably refer to them as. Um, and investment in tobacco is a really good example of that. It's, it's right. incompatible with long-term sustainable health, which is one of the UN SDGs. So we do exclude some sectors. Yeah. But really, the bulk of the work comes in analysing a company's ESG credentials. So ESG is environmental, social and governance. And what yeah. it really is, is a huge amount of data. Mm. Data points that can be categorized into environmental data points, social data points and governance data points, which give me as an investment professional more information about how that company is run. Maybe it's how that company um, deals with waste, which is the, the, the byproduct of its manufacturing process or the health and safety track record of that business. And that's the S, for example, or G, thinking about how independent the people that sit on that board are, how that mm -hmm. board is, is it based on short term share price performance or is it thinking about much longer term targets? Right. So these ESG elements are more information than what's traditionally looked at, which is just financial metrics, yeah. balance sheet, revenue projections, profit, etc. Um, and gives you, a, in, in our, my view, uh, in a sustainable investment investment view, a more holistic picture of how that company is run. Right. And there's academic evidence to suggest that if you are investing in companies that are scoring better on these ESG data metrics, yeah. the company's performance is better over the long term. Yeah. And the reason that might be is that if, that if the board of the company is sitting around and thinking about those non-financial elements like how the company interacts with society or the environment or how the governance structure works and how fit for purpose is it, it's likely to be an indication that that company is better run business. Right. Uh, investing in those companies that have those good sustainable credentials makes investment sense and yeah. also takes better care of the environment and society around us. So that's what's really ESG investing. Mm -hmm. um, many companies or many investment management firms across the industry today 
at some level integrate more or less of that of that data but certainly it's a very strong direction of travel mm-hmm. and I would say within five years that that will be a standard way of valuing a company it won't just be about financial metrics there'll be those additional metrics whether it's just carbon for some companies it's a very quantitative data point that there's a lot of information available on maybe for some companies that will maybe be the only ESG data point but I think across the board more and more investors, if not all investors, will be thinking about these additional data points. 100%. And we saw that only yesterday, anyone listening to this from a time point perspective, um, yesterday was COP26 and they were then started to talk about financials and what they're expecting from the financial banks when it comes to um, their balance sheet. Because I think the statistics were something like the banks hold 40% of the world's wealth. I think that's what I read. And, mm. and therefore, they have a massive amount of power when it comes to you know how they're operating how they're managing people's money um so I definitely I I totally agree I do think that that will become more into play and and potentially I I don't know there's a big question at the moment whether actually you'll have non-ESG funds right like what will happen with oil what will happen to these other non-ESG funds will they all become one I think funds across the industry will incorporate more and more ESG data, whether or not they will be marketed as an ESG fund. Um, I would be unconvinced as to the fact that every single fund will be will be labeled as ESG. And, and that, that shouldn't be the case, I don't think, in the next five years. But right. so, uh, it's a direction of travel. Um, as an investment professional, if you have more information at your fingertips, why would you not think about using it? Um, yeah. So that's, it's becoming a more and more important factor. Um, I think just picking up on something you just said there, using the markets as a mechanism for change, that was something that that I certainly wanted to, to spread the word about right from the start when we launched the portfolios. Because historically, people have thought, yes, you can invest ethically and just exclude something based on a, de- a set of values or beliefs that you personally have. Um, but you're not really using the markets for a mechanism of change in that way. Really, change happens through philanthropy or through government uh, action. And I think that sort of misses the point of the, the, the power markets have just in terms of, of financial value. We've spoken about the UN SDGs. I think it's been estimated they're going to cost between five and seven trillion US wow. dollars to achieve every year, which obviously is an enormous amount of money. One trillion has been committed by UN member states, but that leaves a funding gap of six trillion US dollars. Unless you're Jeff Bezos, who knows <laughs> on, the, on, on, that, on that number. Um, but to put it in the context of financial markets, the total value of listed equity and bond markets, so not private uh, debt or equity or private capital, just the public um, markets, is around 200 trillion. Amazing. To put that, wow. that's 10 times the size of the US economy, the world's biggest economy. So that's wow. the most important point for me to always think about when I'm talking to clients. That demonstrates the financial firepower in the hands of asset managers like LGT Vestra and asset owners like my clients. And if we're able to reroute capital flows towards some of these companies that are really looking to solve some of the UN SDGs, then we have some chance of filling that funding gap. Amazing. And would you say that's a driver for you then? Do you think that that will change the world potentially? (laughs) And it's a very grandiose statement. I don't think I'm going to change the world, but I think... um, Helping people understand that markets need to play an extremely important part. It has to be government action, of course. There has to still be philanthropy to solve some of the UN SDGs that can't be solved through financial markets. Thinking about poverty, for example, thinking about uh, peace, justice, 
at number 16, those need to have governmental, supranational and philanthropic capital behind them. Um, but certainly a number of, number of the goals do certainly need a lot of financial capital. So the quicker that we can all understand that markets need and should have to play an important part, uh, the quicker that transition is going to happen. No, I totally agree. And we can all do our bit, right? We can all do our bit to, you know, it's a bit like, you know, you recycle um, every day, every every week, um, and you don't even quite know how much of that's actually going to go to landfill or bit, but you do it anyway, because it feels like you're doing your bit. Um, and I guess that's when it comes to investment terms, that's where you're doing your bit, you're doing the bit that you believe in, you feel that that can fill that gap that little bit more. Um, so for people that are learning about maybe haven't invested before um, or maybe they've not looked at their investment portfolio, maybe they've had sort of money inherited to them and they're just it, it's sitting there and they're not really paying much attention. And a lot of my audience are women that are potentially not necessarily looked at investing before. They've, they've thought about it. But now we're having this conversation that's more around ethically investing, where we have a, a massive amount of buying power. What kind of things do you think that they should look for in an investment portfolio? Generally speaking, obviously, and we're not giving advice here, but generally speaking, what would you say is a good place for them to start? Uh, and are they self-investing or have they got an, a financial advisor? Um, they could be either, really. I mean, obviously, if there's a lot of people that come to a financial advisor, they, they, they don't have, really have... Um, they either got an existing in portfolio and they're then coming saying, I want to look at my current portfolio and see if I can move it into something that's more ESG, more ethical. Um, or a lot of my clients are new money and they're coming to me with, I've inherited some money um, or I've, I've got a really great business. I've got some spare cash. I don't know what to do with it. And then when I ask the question, are, are you ethical? And in, in not quite quite in that way but in a if I was going to say it directly I'd say it that way um and they say yes and there's obviously different degrees of that and I'd probably say about 85 percent of my clients so what I'm more thinking about this is more directed at people that haven't had that thought process yet they're mm. just hearing about ethical investing in general they possibly haven't they've maybe thought about investing but it doesn't really ring their bells but as soon as they hear hang on a minute I can invest ethically and it can actually help it could help people um what would you what would you say to those kind of people in terms of what questions to ask from a portfolio um what what things in terms of their own personal values that they could look for in a portfolio because obviously we talked about some of them today already but is there yeah. a process you think you would suggest people go through yeah, I think that there is a sort of personal due diligence process that you can do. And I would very much start with talking about or looking at the UN Sustainable Development Goals. I feel like I'm on a bit of a, um, a, a record that's, that's, that's record that is gripping. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, referring back to the same um, goals. And it, the reason for that probably is that it's a universally accepted framework. A lot of us in the investment management uh, um, uh, landscape are using it, in um, industry are using it, governments are using it, supranational organisations are using it, and companies are using it. So it is very widely accepted. Mm, definitely. It's quite a helpful way for an individual who hasn't necessarily defined exactly what they care about from a non-financial perspective to look at those 17 goals and think to themselves, which ones are my priorities? If mm. I had to choose five and prioritize five of these things in front of me mm. which would they be and then when you are talking to if it's a financial advisor for the first time or if you're using an online investment platform you can look for references 
either to those goals or the themes that are being expressed in those sustainable or ethical or impact portfolios that will have very similar names or references. So for example, um, thinking about climate, uh, themes around climate would be the green transition, energy efficiency, renewable energy. And there are two UN SDGs attached to that. Um, uh, number uh, seven, which is clean and affordable energy, and then 13, which is climate action. So if you've already looked at those UN SDGs and you know, I really care about climate and I can see that in two of these UN SDGs, and I know I also care about education, that's number four, you can start to look for those themes running through various um, investment opportunities and whether that is a, a DIY job using an investment platform yourself because that information will be there. And if it's not there, then you need to question if it's the right solution for you anyway. And Absolutely. certainly as an advisor, you can have those same conversations. Yeah, definitely. And there are there obviously are DIY investors potentially listening to this. Um, and so you you can obviously sell shares in companies or move a portfolio over to something that's more ESG. Um, and but it, it's a tricky process. I found that with some pre previous clients is is a bit of a tricky process because you're potentially that's downselling from a really hot, like you know is when's the best time to do it kind of thing. Um, and then moving into a completely different portfolio. So I, I have fund managers that do that for my clients. I don't, that's not something I professionally do. Have, yeah. have you ever, do you have you come across that? I recently had a client where she's got like a hundred and about 120 grand in um, inherited shares, which are in companies which are quite obviously not, like, you know, not, ethic, not ethical in the traditional sense. Um, and she wants to move them over into a, a, a better diverse portfolio um so it's a managed port uh, ethical portfolio um and i'm sure that's what you guys do as well right yeah. you, you do that kind of stuff yeah um so when when's a good time to look at moving a portfolio and looking at that because that that's 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 a change someone can go okay this is a new thing i've not come across this before i want to do that what where would you start as a fund manager so that's really what, 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 our, what our role is. Um, our role is to talk to clients and enable them to find the right time for them in terms of their personal um, uh, capacity or what's appropriate for them to move it across. Mm. Clients want to do that in uh, chunks, so maybe 30%, 30%, 30%. Mm. And that's just getting comfortable with the idea of investing sustainably versus not. Mm. Other clients make the decision that this is absolutely what I want to do. There's really no question in my mind. I've been investing for 25 years and now I've realized I've seen the lights and I want to invest in <laughs> which are all across for me today. Yeah. So there's a bit what's right for the person, but also of course there's the market element. Um, and our, our job as professional investors is to think about those market dynamics uh, and shift money into the market at the right time. And yeah. we haven't got crystal balls. We don't know what's going to happen in markets, but there's certainly better and worse times to, to make those transitions. Yeah. Um, but it's about for us doing it gradually, not necessarily buy all in one go, um, mm. because you do take the risk that you're at a market high um, at that point. Um, so, so yeah, it's all about, that's really what, what our role is, what yeah. to buy, right for that client and, and how, to, how to implement. Definitely. And um, when it comes to, let's just talk about, I'll just like one last example and, and I'm going to leave you get on with your day. So thank you so much for your time today so far. Um, and it's, it's an example of, an easy example of Amazon, because we all sort of use Amazon, don't we? Um, mm. And 
I, I'm trying to do it less and less where I'm making slightly smarter decisions buying more locally, for example. Um, and you know, not having a, a delivery man turn up at my door five times a day because that's not good for the environment. The packaging, the the fumes that it takes to, to travel to, to to come over there. Um, and Amazon don't have a great rap when it comes to their labour and looking after their staff. So, um, but for as consumers, and I'm not going to ask you personally because that's not fair, right? I'm not going to put you on that kind of spot. You can, um, but yeah, Amazon. <laughs> I don't even watch Amazon Prime. I don't have an Amazon account. I wouldn't, I would not use Amazon. Would you? Right. Okay. So I, I don't feel bad now. You've openly given me that information. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm not as good as you, right? Because I, I do occasionally it's have the that. Not about being good and bad. No, no, sure. And there's no judgment, right? No. Um, no. But there's a lot of um, mainstream kind of things that we use, like Amazon, yep. like Microsoft um and i think microsoft is another interesting example because they're a tech company um but they're i don't know how you feel about this but behind the scenes i know that a lot of fund managers that are on the ethical sense they are very heavily invested in the u.s um war right like, like in the army u.s army i should say sorry so there is a like a, a line where you're sort of going what's ethical what's not and making a judgment based on that and there's directories that some fund managers or um use in terms of like a grading and um, what are your thoughts around that because we're getting more gray and more there's more information being thrown at this there's some that are obviously more obvious but when you've got other companies that like a microsoft amazon's like an easy example to say they're not really ethical but a microsoft it's a little bit of gray there's a little bit of exposure there but it's not their full fundamental basis and so there's there's gradings that you that a lot of firms use. They might be A A A B C, for example. Um, do what kind of directories do you guys use, and what's your interpretation of them? How do you think they will fit within the industry going forward? Yeah, and I think you raise a really interesting point. There is a huge amount of data available. I said ESG was all about data, and that's very much the case. Um, we firmly look at companies on an ESG basis, how that company is interacting in terms of its operations with the environment. Um, and that would be, for example, Microsoft, the, the level of renewable energy that they're using to power their operations, where they're sourcing their raw materials from, um, and whether they are disclosing that information from a social perspective, you've touched on, on employees and interaction with local communities. And then um, G, like I've mentioned, things about board and governance structure. We do source data from or raw data from third parties um, to understand that. Uh, for each company that we would look at. Um, but we also assess the impact. I've mentioned to you impact, I've mentioned to you and SDGs, and we look specifically at data um, which can align a company's revenues against one or more UN SDGs. So it's not just about what that company, how that company operates, it's about what that company is producing. Because there's lots of examples of companies that do actually have pretty good ESG scores when you look at third-party data providers, but their companies operating within the tobacco space or within the coal space, which is very difficult to um, uh, for most people to align those businesses with having a good ESG score. So for us, the ESG, the internal operational assessment is one part of the story. And we also use that impact analysis. But we've effectively built our own proprietary tool to do this, mm. um, to have complete clarity on the methodology, be able to evolve the methodology, 
in the future potentially um, scale up or down different factors as they become increasingly or, or less important um, and have complete ownership of it. And that feed that tool feeds into our process um, for constructing portfolios and, and picking underlying companies and funds for those portfolios. Um, now, it's very, very difficult for a, a, um, an individual who's not in the investment community to do any of that. Um, so I think that for sustainable, and if you want to take a, a really sustainable approach to managing your money, it, it is really hard to do it alone. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Unless, unless it's something you're really into and you want to do, you want to be an analyst yourself, right? Unless you want to um, analyze all of the data and look at it all. And I, I certainly think that people that are dealing with smaller amounts of money, when it, we're talking about, I don't know, less than a few hundred, maybe a hundred thousand or so, um, then you can sort of have a little bit of a play when it comes to um, that money and how, how it's going to work. But certainly when you start from a tax perspective and you're starting to deal with larger amounts, um, there are bigger, bigger, more serious decisions to make that then you would definitely get some sort of professional involved and help you in that process. And, and like your role and my role are two completely different things, right? We sort of work in alignment with each other I guess is the right way of putting it yeah um, well I've really enjoyed our chat today thank you so much for being so open and sharing and um, just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself right because I think the financial services industry get a bit of a bad rap um, when it comes to the persona and you know we're, we're two strong young, young independent female women which um, which I really love and I, I think it's great to have you here today talking about this kind of subject um, any parting tips shares anything you'd like to uh, share with the audience before we go today um i think if you haven't thought about sustainable investing before or you're just starting on that journey absolutely keep reading about it there's just so much exciting news out there developments um yes climate is a huge focus at the moment and we've got cop 26 going on but something else that's that's getting um a lot of a lot more um focus is the topic of biodiversity i think it's going to be a major topic for next year something that the investment community hasn't necessarily engaged with as much as it should have done in recent years. Um, and, and that's the best part of my job, to be honest, the fact that things are evolving, things are changing, um, and we continue to, to focus and, and widen our net and widen our remit on what the financial industry can do to change things. So yeah, get reading and, and keep researching. Um, and hopefully um, I'll, you can come across me or I'll come across you at some point in the future. No, that's absolutely amazing. And, and if people want to connect with um, your firm, what's the best place for them to go? And I'll, I'll be leaving, obviously, links and details for people to follow up if they wish to. Yes. So LGT Vestra is the name of the business. See, my name's Phoebe Stone. I'm available on LinkedIn or, or you can go to, to our website to find out more information. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time, Phoebe. I've really enjoyed it today. Thank you so much wonderful show with Phoebe there and if you want to hear more about how to get ethically investing then check out my guide um, and I'll pop the links below it's a fantastic guide to go through with you in more detail about some of those directories the jargon the information so if you need more about that go and check it out and I'd love to hear what you think take care of a great day thank you for joining us on today's episode of accelerate your wealth if you'd like to take the steps to accelerate your wealth further, perhaps owning it more or maximizing it to its full potential, please do head over to our free Facebook group, The Money Mastery Collective, where we post regular updates on tips to maximize your wealth and also support you along the way. We'd love to see you there.